Your mother found these under your bed. I told you to get rid of this filth! You don't understand me! Face it, honey. Our boy is weird. I know he's weird. I think I've always known. By changing the lyrics and making them about food, you could change the world! Nobody wants to hear a parody song when they can hear the real thing for the same price. Two words. Eat it. Coming to the stage next, this guy's a first timer, Weird Al Yankovic. Hope you guys are ready for this. Just eat it, eat it, get yourself an egg and beat it. Hey, I hear you're gonna parody one of my songs. Maybe. I like that. That kid's got the goods. Again, aren't you? Hey man, why don't you just get out of here? I need to get out of here. You need to get out of here. Uh, I'm the weird one. I'm the weird one. Give me another. Thank you for having enough. I'll tell you when I've had enough. You're an alcoholic. I could chase, baby. Get out! Whoa! Whoa! Like a surgeon. Songsmith Weird Al Yankovic was arrested earlier tonight in Miami for lewd behavior. What do you want? I wanted to tell you that I'm proud of you. What are you doing? That's how we do it. But you. That's what's wrong right now. Everybody trying to rap the same style with the, uh, I don't know who created it, if it was Future or Amigos, but all them niggas sound the same. I said, nigga had me in the studio one night trying to do that shit. I'm like, man, cut this shit off. What the fuck am I in here doing, nigga? I don't rap like that. He said, what the fuck you got me doing? This shit, it's addictive. This shit'll get you. You hear that shit? Yeah, so it's always gonna be something new. When, when a person decides to be themselves, they offer something no one else can be. 
Yeah, because once you be you, who, who can be you but you? All right. That's what's wrong right now. Everybody trying to rap the same style with the, uh, I don't know who created it, if it was Future or Amigos, but all them niggas sound the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, nigga had me in the studio one night trying to do that shit. I'm like, man, cut this shit off. What the fuck am I in here doing, nigga? I don't rap like that. He said, what the fuck you got me doing? This shit, it's addictive. This shit'll get you. You hear that shit? Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, nigga had me in the studio one night trying to do that shit. I'm like, man. This is the best job that I've ever had. I literally get to live the dream every single day that I get to come to work. You've done it. You found another episode of the Got A Job podcast. And like we always do at this time, we're going to play some music. Today we're going to play music from Run The Jewels that don't appear on Run The Jewels albums. And we're calling it Run The Gems. And to start that off, we're going to play some songs by an artist that opened up for uh, Run The Jewels on, on one of their European tours in the last few years. An artist by the name of Corbin. I don't know much about him. It sounds like he's self-produced and, uh, you know, he's a solo act. And uh, very interesting music. It's not exactly in a rap vein, although I have seen online that he does have songs where he raps. But the three I'm playing for you are kind of a, uh, we'll call it indie. It's very unique. And so coming up for you first, Corbin, and we got a whole lot of Rum the Jewels for you today on this episode. It is February, let's say 20th, 2022. And I've been off work for about half a week. It's going pretty good, making a lot of podcasts. Here we go.
Drive through the night to come see you I know I'm just a memory Something's pulling and I know it's real Who knows how long we got left I'm building us a bunker bed And the fire comes to keep us safe We're the last two people on earth No, I'm praying to any of the gods I'm not sleeping till my breathing stops Getting fucked up in my car somewhere
Once upon a time, before the likes of X and Lil Uzi Verts, an obscure 16-year-old kid in a do-rag took the SoundCloud scene by storm. With a voice and talent like no other, he created music that felt cold yet comforting, connecting with listeners in a way that most artists could only dream of. Yet while the majority would embrace this newfound fame, he stayed far, far away from it. Over seven years have now passed since Complex labeled him a legend in the making, DJ Khaled opened his first ever tour, and a young Kylie Jenner misquoted his lyrics on IG. So with no further ado, here is the mysterious tale of Spooky Black. Spooky Black. Spooky Black. What do you mean? What kind of music is this? He sings. His name is Spooky Black. He sings, yeah. Is this him? Every time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like Mama Cuff, I was dumbfounded when that camera slowly panned across to Spooky Black, posted up in a white turtleneck and do-rag for the first time. But as the old saying goes, never judge a book by its cover. This iconic fit would live rent-free in the minds of nearly everyone that watched the music video for his breakthrough song, Without You. Uploaded to YouTube on February 28th, 2014, it went on to accumulate over 11 million views and Spooky quickly became a viral sensation. With websites such as Worldstar and Complex reposting the video, just months after it came out, and writing articles like, Caucasian sensation Spooky Black rocks a do-rag better than you. That's some top-tier journalism right there. Although his look and name were getting a fair amount of attention when the music video first started to pop off, it was the song itself and his mysterious persona that had people hooked. Without You along with the rest of his music at this time in 2014 was a very bleak combination of lo-fi R&B and hip-hop. Being a reclusive kid growing up in the cold state of Minnesota, his sound was a true representation of himself and his surroundings. In one of the few rare interviews that Spooky has ever agreed to, this is what he had to say about his creative process at the time. When I'm at home writing, it has to be late because that's when I'm in a groggy, deep, contemplative mood. I take my time walking around my basement when the lights are off. People think it's depressing, but it's not. I like being alone, how spiritual it is. I don't really like making positive music. Now at this point, you probably have a lot of questions. Who really is this kid? Was he just a one-hit wonder? What happened to him? Or more importantly, was Spooky Black a time traveler? Well, in order to answer these questions, we gotta go back even further in time. So warm up some hot chocolate and get ready because this tale is just getting started. February 20th, 1998, the day that Spooky Black, aka Corbin Beckner Smitsnick, would begin his journey here on Earth. Born in Baltimore, Corbin would then move to St. Paul, Minnesota. His first taste of music came in the third grade, taking guitar lessons where he learned to play covers of various rock songs. However, just like most 90s kids, including myself, he would later go through a dubstep phase and an emo one as well. It wasn't until the seventh grade that he finally decided to test out his vocal chops and start singing. But before he would go on to record, and I quote, panty-melting R&B songs such as Without You, he would discover another underground legend by the name of Lil Ugly Mane around 2012, whose grungy, sinister rap sound would heavily influence Spooky Black's earliest music. This led to him pushing aside the angelic vocals for the time being and releasing his first ever project filled with nothing but dark devil rap. There's nothing eerier than a forest at night. That's why the title of Spooky Black's first ever project, 
Forest suits it so well. Released in 2013, Corbin sounds hardly recognizable on this thing compared to the music he would blow up with just a year later. Being his first body of work, the Forest album is a crucial piece of Spooky Black's lore. Yet at the end of the day, this project never really gained much traction and kind of drifted off into the shadows of the internet, only to be re-uploaded by fans on SoundCloud and YouTube years later. So I guess the next big question is, what sparked Spooky Black to make such a big change? Why did he go from Lil Ugly inspired rap to lo-fi R&B? Well, ladies and gentlemen, in order to get the answers we're looking for, let me introduce you to a few men by the names of Keith Sweat and Joe. Look familiar? Spooky Black's iconic all-white look that he wore in the Without You music video was indeed inspired by R&B icon Joe. Now that we know he was taking visual inspiration from the R&B genre, it only makes sense that he might be influenced sonically as well. This is where Keith Sweat comes into the picture. After being introduced to the R&B artist by his friend's dad, Spooky Black would take a hard right turn, ditching the horror-tinged rap sound and pursuing a fresh R&B one. However, his take on the genre was far from the norm. Working with producers like Reef, who would later go on to collaborate with the likes of Lil Peep and XXXTentacion, Spooky Black would then drop his second project on February 28, 2014, with one special song that would change his life forever. Black Silk. Not only a material that looks fine as hell on Kylie Jenner, but also the name of the second project that Spooky Black ever released. With a total of 11 tracks, this album is filled with experimental R&B. You could tell he was really testing the waters with his beat selection, but the one thing that was consistent was the emotion he poured into this thing. Here's what he had to say about his state of mind while recording this album. Black Silk isn't really about girls. It's just the platform I chose to convey how I was feeling. That's when I was going through depression. From my point of view, this project is a nostalgic goldmine, but objectively speaking, it's far from perfect. Except for one song, of course, called Without You. Coming in at number 6 on the track list, the soon-to-be viral hit is where Spooky had truly found his sound. Hi everyone, Goodthany Guy Tano here, the internet, and it's time for a review of the new Spooky Black leaving EP. You know you made it when the melon is reviewing your music. However, Mr. Fantano giving Spooky a strong five to a light six didn't sit too well with his fans at all. To provide more context, the project he was talking about was Spooky Black's follow-up EP to Black Silk titled Leaving. Released later that year on August 12, 2014, the mysterious SoundCloud star didn't waste any time feeding his fans with new music. However, he still wanted nothing to do with the newfound fame. Countless publications reached out hoping to learn more about the man behind the voice, yet got absolutely nothing. Spooky Black was a ghost. One of the best examples that I found of this came from June of 2014. Complex had just listed his hit Without You as one of their songs of the year, and when they asked for an interview, he simply replied with, No. Let's now go back and look at his third project, The Leaving EP. The Melon may not agree with my take, but I think he showed a lot of growth on this thing and had a much more focused sound, which may have been partially thanks to this man right here. 99.9% .9 of you probably have no clue who he is, but he helped produce a few mixtapes that you may have heard of. Does Thursday or House of Balloons ring a bell? 
by chance? Doc McKinney, the same man that helped produce The Weeknd's earliest mixtapes, worked with Spooky Black on Leaving. Basically, after hearing Black Silk, Doc knew how special of a talent Corbin was and had to get in the studio with him. Leaving went on to do really well and other big names in the industry were starting to take notice. To put things in perspective, Janet Jackson used Spooky Song Idol from his Leaving EP in a video interlude that was a part of her world tour, aka the do-rag kid that was popping on World Star was now being recognized by actual global stars. So what was next for Spooky Black? He loved the music, but obviously didn't like being the center of attention. Luckily, despite being more of an introvert, he made a great group of friends that just so happened to be based in Minnesota and make music as well. Shout out to Denzel Curry for spitting fire like usual in this rare clip from 2015, but he's not important in this story. These two guys, however, are Bobby Raps and Alan Kingdom, two out of four members of a group called the Standard. Who were the other members? Well, a producer by the name of Simon and the one and only Spooky Black. See, after releasing his Leaving EP in August of 2014, Corbin decided to link up with his closest friends and collaborators from Minnesota, rather than focusing on his solo career, which led to these four unique artists forming The Standard. Here's what Bobby Raps had to say about what made the group so special. I don't know if the last time you saw four individual artists from different sides of the spectrum and from the same town come together. Producer Doc McKinney was still heavily invested in Spooky Black at this time and was very much aware of Bobby, Alan, and Simon as well, resulting in the standard flying out to Toronto in October of 2014 to record their debut album in Doc's studio, self-titled The Standard. It's all about November 4th, The Standard album, Alan Kingdom, Bobby Raps, and Simon, Spooky Black, I see you, keep winning, keep being the best. Salute from we the best. You know what it is, November 4th. Bless up. Yeah, that actually happened. As much as it looked like a paid cameo, it wasn't. On Corbin's Leaving EP, the eighth song on the track list was actually called DJ Khaled is My Father. The song had nothing to do with the former king of Snapchat. <laughs> Spooky just thought Khaled was funny and weird and decided it would be hilarious to name the song that, which I'm glad he did. After hearing about the song, DJ Khaled followed him on Twitter and got his number. After The Collective released their album, they quickly went on tour across the US in November of 2014. It was on one of their first stops at the iconic SOB Theater in New York that Spooky had asked Khaled if he would open the set. Mr. We The Best agreed and kicked off the show by screaming, Also, this particular show was so highly anticipated that it was covered by the likes of Billboard and the New York Times. Being the mysterious internet figure that he was, people wanted to see Spooky Black in person and figure out if he could actually sing live. And boy oh boy, did he ever deliver. For the next one, New York City. Make some noise if this boy can sing live in real life. So what was next for him and his newfound collective, The Standard? Well, after finishing up a successful tour, Spooky drifted back into the shadows to work on new music. And The Standard, well, I'm not exactly sure what happened. Sadly, their self-titled album would be their first and last project. No need to get upset though, because they would all remain close friends and continue to help each other's solo careers. With Bobby Raps, Simon, and Spooky Black staying particularly close, and Alan Kingdom going on to get a huge breakthrough in 2015, landing a feature 
feature on Kanye's song All Day. Yet with all that being said, something big was about to change for the SoundCloud star as 2014 came to an end. All thanks to a name he came up with in the ninth grade. Of an artist who is white, pale. His name- Wait, Stop the music. Spooky Black. <laughs> As you could probably tell from the emphasis that Peter Rosenberg was putting on the color of Corbin's skin, they were not too happy with the Caucasian artist wearing a do-rag and rocking the name Spooky Black. Let's just take a quick look at the like-to-dislike ratio on this video to see how the general audience was feeling about this take. Yeah, I don't think they agreed. The name Spooky Black was either controversial, dope, or a meme, depending on who you asked. Although his fans were riding hard for the name, Corbin himself hated it. Just listen to what he had to say about it. I came up with the name Spooky Black in the ninth grade, but I never expected it to stick. I cringe when people call me Spooky Black. I hate it. If Corbin's watching this video, he probably hates my guts by now. I've called him Spooky Black like at least a thousand times. God damn it. However, that won't be the case any longer because the kid from Minnesota would officially change his artist name at the end of 2014, releasing a new single called Worn under the stage name Corbin. May 31st, 2015, a day that Corbin and Bobby Rapp's fans would never forget. The two members of The Standard had decided to pair up and release their first collaborative album titled Couch Potato. With the cover art arguably better than the Mona Lisa, this album also had a concise track list of seven songs. Corbin carried forward a similar style that made leaving so special, yet Couch Potato hit harder. Thanks in large part to the production, his co-star Bobby, and Corbin continuing to push himself as a vocalist. Bobby Rapp's is a much more traditional MC, and in my opinion, one of the most underrated producers in the game. This is kind of jumping ahead, but let's take a look at some of his production credits over the years. Sidewalks by The Weeknd, Not Fair by The Kid Leroy, Met Gala by Gunna, and Slayer by Lil Uzi Vert. With an unmatched discography for his age, Spooky Black, I mean Corbin, had numerous labels knocking on his door. This resulted in Young Turks and XL Recordings signing him when he turned 17, the same label that has helped artists such as take their career to the next level. However, early on, it was quite clear that things wouldn't work out. Here's what Corbin had to say about his label situation in 2015. We were gonna put out a record with them, but we just didn't really click. That was the first label I was on, but it was just a lot of pressure on making music. I think it's important to remember just how young Corbin was when all this went down. If you're an old head like me, think back to when you were 17. How would you deal with radio stations attacking your character, millions of people critiquing your work, and industry executives breathing down your neck. Sounds like a nightmare to me. So I don't blame him at all for backing out of that situation with the label. Unfortunately though for his fans, this was a big turning point in Corbin's career, as he would step back into the shadows and leave the internet entirely. What's up with Corbin? We ever gonna meet Corbin? Oh man, I don't know. I seen him from a distance and I'm like, that's the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But nah, nah, big shout to Corbin, you know what I mean? AKA Spooky Black doing his thing. This interview with Bobby Raps took place in May of 2017. He was being asked about his work with The Weeknd, along with promoting the Standards reunion performance at the Soundset Hip Hop Festival in Minnesota. Fans were hyped to see the hometown heroes on stage together once again, yet more importantly, this was a rare chance to hear from Corbin, who at this point in 2017 was still nowhere to be found. Besides releasing a few songs on SoundCloud, just to delete 
sadly, most of them shortly after, fans were left starved without new music since 2015. Yet Corbin had his reasons. I didn't plan to be away for so long, I just never really made an album that was worth putting out. And when asked about why he just vanished and remained silent, he simply replied with, I just had nothing to say. Fortunately, Corbin was one to let his music speak for itself. And on July 27th, 2017, the world would finally get to hear how he was feeling. Corbin ate Kurt Cobain and Ian Curtis's hearts and returned with Ice Boy. Take what you want from the title of that article, but yes. The man, the myth, the legend was finally back. On July 27th, 2017, Corbin released his first official single in over two years called Ice Boy. Lacking a music video or any real promotion, the song was still able to hit 1 million views on YouTube, and Corbin was back on the map like he never left. While on a trip to LA to visit Doc McKinney, the kid from St. Paul linked up with two very special producers. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce their names, but they're on the screen right now. These two have worked with the likes of Drake and Young Lean, and would help Corbin shape a new sound to take his music to another level. Because on August 24th, 2017, Corbin would announce his fourth solo album. Hi everyone, the Nini. Tano here, the internet's busiest music nerd, and it's time for a review of the new Corbin album, Mourn. Overall, I really like the vibe and aesthetic of this album quite a bit. There are a lot of solid sounds and tracks on here. Corbin has a stronger sense of style here than he has on any project he's released so far. I'm feeling a light to decent seven on this thing. I rated higher, but hey, that's a pretty damn good score coming from the melon. Mourn was released on September 5th, 2017, and would show off a brand new side of Corbin. While recording the album, he said his mind was filled with apocalyptic thoughts and paranoia. This album also came with some long overdue visuals that were very reminiscent of his earliest music videos. Although I love the 480p nostalgia of the Without You video, it was nice to see Corbin walk around a forest in 1080p this time around. So, with a brand new project officially out, music video being produced and a North American tour scheduled to take place during the fall of 2017, Corbin was back for good, right? Man, I, I love the Corbin song. The video, it's also, it's just an amazing record. He's so talented. How was that like working with him? Because I, I know you knew about him like before, before when he was Spooky Black, like you spooky were tapped in with him. That. I just shoved my shot. I was like, bro, we got to get in. We got we to gotta make something. He was like, I'm down. Let's do it. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. We exchanged numbers. Now, I, I tell everybody the story. Uh, he like this. He is a real life legend. Like he, he was like, oh, here, put your number in my phone. And he pulled out a flip phone. First off, that flip phone story is the most spooky black I've ever heard. Secondly, take a look at when these interviews with the Kid Leroy took place. Yeah, the year of hell that was 2020. After dropping Mourn in 2017, Corbin would once again step back into the shadows. Besides posting on IG and Twitter here and there, people had no idea what he was up to or where he was. But as you could probably tell by this point in the story, that's probably what Corbin wanted. Over this three-year period, he fortunately released a few songs on SoundCloud. However, his mystifying persona continued to grow as nothing official was released. I now want to take a second to thank the Kid Leroy, because according to what he said in that interview with Lyrical Lemonade, Corbin was turning down big feature opportunities while on his hiatus. But after vibing in the studio together, the Aussie was somehow able to convince the legend to make an official comeback. Coming together to record an absolute masterpiece called Not Fair that would land on Leroy's debut mixtape, 
glove. On top of that, they would shoot a music video for the song, showcasing Corbin's new look and capturing the feeling of the track perfectly. Also, it was really funny to read all the comments under the video as people were either just learning about Corbin or realizing that this was the same man that rocked a do-rag and serenaded their girl back in 2014. I've been making a lot of music, uh, is, uh, it's coming together, so I have like a bunch, I have like f f three solo projects by myself and then probably like three collaborative projects, so like a bunch of coming into work, so it'll be a, it'll be a kind of way too much music at the same time, hopefully. Oh, God. Although all those projects he just mentioned on Instagram Live back in 2020 are yet to release, I'm okay with it. See, while most artists are busy making fast food music nowadays, Corbin created timeless records with real emotion, pain, and panty-melting vocals. The man also took risks, started a group with his friends, told Kylie Jenner to f*** off, and continued to evolve his sound while staying true to himself. His career is unlike anything the music world has ever seen. If you're curious as to what he's doing now, well, like usual, he's been keeping it pretty low-key and sadly hasn't dropped any solo projects Just one sec until today october 31st 2021 i honestly made this entire video before seeing corbin's announcement so the timing of this is pretty spooky to say the least but on that note i'm gonna go walk around the woods back there and listen to the new album so i gotta go however i just want to wrap things up by saying shout out to dj Khaled's son your impact on the soundcloud scene and music as a whole will never be forgotten Now I know everything about Corbin, a.k.a. Spooky Black. See, all I knew before was that he had the, a few songs out on Much Music around 2016, 2017, and then I heard that he went on tour with Run the Jewels, and I thought, well, their, their musical styles couldn't be any different, but he is coming from a hip-hop, R&B uh, genre into the stuff that he's making now, and I can't wait to listen to the new album too. So there you go. Dig it. Everyone's on ice waiting for the main event. It's coming. For now, check out these tasty gems.
Cheese it in 10 cheesy flavors. Keep it. 
just one thing Tell me is this feeling mutual Put a lot on that hint Sorry if I come across as unusual But please don't fret about Big Grams? Big Grams? Big Boy from Outcasts? And the singers and songwriters from Fantagram? Super indie rap rock group? Big Grams? Psst. You ever hear Big Grams? Hey, cuz. Wanna hear some Big Grams?
walk in. Rick flaring, long fur coat wearing, Rolex rocking, silk shirt wearing, silk socks in. Need to breathe, so the draw cotton. Cause you gon' me when you leave in a big Benzer on the Windsor's with your homegirl at Windsor. Who said she never did, but she would try it. And now she higher than the highest. She just said Wetting, the God blesses against him, prospers no weapon. Champagning, campaigning, gator shoes high stepping. My dopey eyes just hide behind my Dita frame. I heard this say he don't like me where he the lame. It's not your fault, baby. We were just here born to. I walk with a spot on me, my life's a sad solo The neon sign quits when I pass in all slow-mo You don't give the nod, you'd rather not even know me Cause even me existing is killing your mojo I dance like a Jojo or blow I cut a rug to a polo undies Got my nuts in a choke, I'm often stuck in the smoke The jukebox cut off without coins, I'm a magical blow A barracuda you chuck for the simple fact that you don't know how to float Another tragedy aborted, I'm a Bad news, bear babe. I'm armed with a hanger of coats. You get bold. Now your mom's got a new lease on life, a new hope. It's not your fault, baby. We were just here, born to try. And nigga like me just pull up, flight club, foreign or domestic. International player, but also locally respected. Savannah chilling, pippin', drippin' and stankin' like the juice do. Since baby needed pampers and that Lincoln needed them new shoes. Make them call me BB King because I get that the blues. Now she down on Biddy D because she wanna lick the juice. And I'm slick, bout to run up in her smooth with this. Take a couple Polaroids to capture the moment. Now she's caught up in the rapture of this Mac and where your went. In the back of the Cadillac, she gagging. To pitch your win. As a matter of fact, I'm about to splash her with this Billy Ocean. Watch her rub it on her face. I call it Johnson's baby lotion. It's not your fault, baby. We're just here
need another lover Like I need another hole on the side of my tempo Forever blowed like brains and eardrums as they explode Got me running for my life, I suppose Depending on my line of sight only Dynamite blow me Bumping like a parrot tonight Nice and horny, no friction Not addicted to it I have been listening to crickets If you spitting so it's up the Sometimes to listen to me Not trying to be rude But habit and attitude is kind of productive to being blissful Make me not miss you I'm dodging bullets yet I'm sending back these missiles Then do like the nukes do Your spot is too deep Kabloom to blow up Now what it the us to do Because there's nothing left but ashes And ashes, bastards Cashless characters Out here with drugs to traffic Enough of the plastic narrative Put ink to tablet Grab the actual fact It's non-fiction I'm blitzing on every single down Make them get up, get out And get it until you got it all And with it gon' ball till you crawl Just for the alcohol and You're silly Look at the bigger picture Don't let your thoughts get cut short Like a midget's twiddle But not a baby powder, but my sausage Not, not trying to get a baby I her, I put a baby in her Maybe in her, my eye Y'all nasty Nasty, 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 nasty To the top of the pyramid Or to the center of the earth where I went ahead Me ain't never scared Just looking for a way out It's till I'm dead I ain't even trying to play house Apartment, a condo My mentality is complex Fresh in the projects, how you conscious Now where you want to go Cause we got options Multiple choices and can't no
three years old, 22. I played like a cop out on a Hollywood Boulevard. I had done a TV show before that and told everybody I was gonna be in it as you would do and then got cut from the show and I was really embarrassed and bummed. So I didn't tell anybody that I had gotten these few lines in Pretty Woman because I just assumed I was gonna get cut. And then by the time the movie came out, I forgot that I didn't tell anyone. And I got all these calls from angry relatives going, why do you tell me you were in a movie? I'm like, oh, I forgot I didn't tell people. That was fun, it was, that, that's the movie that made Julia Roberts. I mean, I think everybody in show business already knew she was gonna be huge. She was coming off that movie Mystic Pizza, but that movie really made her. Heat. That was insanely great working with Al Pacino, a hero of mine growing up. Michael Mann, who directed um, Heat, does a lot of takes, a lot of takes, to the point where you get a little cross-eyed. And we shot that scene with Al where he screams, she got a great ass! That scene, which um, <laughs> he had said normally, like a hundred times, cause she got a great ass. And then I guess he had been, maybe got driven crazy by how many takes he had to do and decided to yell it into my face from a foot away. To which I reacted to by going, Jesus, like that. Not acting, just terrified, which ended up in the movie. It's the only ad lib at all of mine that ended up in the movie was me going, Jesus, when Al Pacino screamed at me. Mo the bartender on The Simpsons is based on Al Pacino, but young Al Pacino. Uh, dog Day Afternoon, Michael Corleone Al Pacino, who's a little higher, Serpico Al Pacino. And I did that for Mo the bartender at my audition for The Simpsons. And they said, we like that voice, but it needs to be gravelly. So if you take Al Pacino and make him gravelly, you get Mo the bartender. The Simpsons, yes, The Simpsons. Who's been your favorite character to play The Simpsons? Probably Mo. I just, he's been the most developed and closest to my heart. Mo is sort of a weird version of young Al Pacino made gravelly. If this gets out, the next words you say will be muffled by your own butt. Police Chief Wiggum is an imitation of Edward G. Robinson, who's an old, old gangster actor from the 1940s. Wiggum. Yeah, right, mister. Mm-hmm. An elephant just knocked over your mailbox. Okay. And it's actually my impression of Mel Blanc's impression of Edward G. Robinson. Mel Blanc, for you kids playing at home, was the original voice of Bugs Bunny and other Warner Brothers cartoon characters. Snake is just kind of Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times and also a kid I went to college with who was always stoned. <laughs> okay. Comic Book Guy is another friend of mine from college. Live next door freshman year. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. He had a Barker lounger in his room. He would sit in it and he would have a list on his little uh, dry erase board outside his door. If he liked you, you were on his good list. If he did not like you that week, you were on his bad list. He would yell it out, you were on my list! That was the basis of God for God. Dr. Nick is a uh, pretty bad impression of Ricky Ricardo. Hi, everybody! Hi, Hi Dr. Dr. Nick! So, yeah, I just thought it would be funny to talk like this. They assign roles in The Simpsons based on their instincts for who will do what best. And they're usually right. Sometimes they're not right, and we will 
either say, ooh, you know, I think I do Johnny Carson better or, or actually, oh, I don't do a very good Fred Flintstone. I think Dan does. Now, I didn't know till many years later, kids, that there was an original Mo the Bartender voice that I replaced. I didn't know that. And I was like, did you just, did that guy, you didn't like what he did? And Matt Granny was like, oh no, he was great. I'm like, so then why did you recast him? Like, oh, he was just a, a dick. He was, his voice was great, but he was just kind of jerky to everybody. I, think about how awful that, that guy could have been like on The Simpsons his whole life. Lesson, the kids would be, always be nice. Friends, the TV show Friends, I wanted to be Joey and they, they said no, as you might be aware of. It's the only time I've ever asked to go back. It's like, you know what, you gotta see me again. I gotta try it again. That's how much we knew Friends was gonna be at least really funny. We couldn't have known there was gonna be that big a hit. Everyone I knew was like crazed to get in that show. They rejected me from Joey, but then I, I was lucky enough to do the movie Quiz Show, which kind of raised my status and they liked me in that. And uh, they gave me that role of uh, Phoebe's boyfriend, scientist boyfriend. The Birdcage, directed by Mike Nichols. Mike had seen me in Quiz Show. He offered me any small role I wanted, which was nice, but small, small role. I picked that one, which he thought was crazy. He was like, why, really? That one? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he heard me do it at the table read, and he laughed. He said, okay, I can see why you'd like to do that, sure. And then later they ended up expanding the role. It was supposed to be just one scene. David Allen Greer was supposed to play the main you know, uh, uh, butler character, but they felt that an African-American in that role might be in poor taste. It was based on a French film. So they ended up deciding to make it Latin and give it. When I was a student, I didn't think that I could afford to start investing in the stock market because I was living on such a tight budget. Turns out. To me, and then I worked on a Guatemalan accent very hard and it ended up just sounding exactly like my maternal grandmother. As I was working, I'm like, oh, this just, this sounds like my grandma. <laughs> Mad about you. I played a dog walker who talked like this. He kind of spoke this way which is sort of based on a kid I grew up with who ended up being a doorman in my building who ended up becoming an actor. And I'm doing this voice for years and I run into that guy. And he goes, hey, you know, I saw you on, uh, I'm mad about you. And I was like, oh no, really? I was like, yeah? He's like, yeah, I thought it was great. He didn't realize it was based on him. So I'm glad I didn't say, I'm sorry. Eh? I didn't mean to appropriate your entire being. Godzilla. That movie became the sort of poster child for what was wrong with Hollywood. Uh, excess in budget and, you know, marketing style over substance. You remember the billboards and yeah, unfortunately for that movie, the ad campaign was a lot better than the movie itself. It was really uh, uh, excoriated. Like it was, it didn't do well at the box office. People really, it was one of those projects people really jumped on hating, much to my chagrin because it was a big break for me, and so that movie doing well would have been very good for my career. I remember, uh, it was like a five month shoot, it was a long shoot. I remember Roland Emmerich, the director, saying to me about a week before we were gonna shoot, like, so I decided that it's all gonna be in the rain. Every exterior is gonna be in the rain, the whole time it's gonna be raining, 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 and it'll make the creature look great, because the blurry lines, and the... it was the early days of CGI, so 
anything that helped it look visually better was good. And I was like, awesome. I remember coming home and telling my girlfriend at the time about that, who was a very experienced actress who had shot a lot in the rain. I had never shot in Hollywood rain. She was like, oh my God, that's terrible. I'm like, why? She's like, you're gonna be soaked. You're talking about 12 hours a day for five months. Every exterior, you're gonna be soaked. I'm like, oh, how bad can it be? It was really bad. Hollywood rain is like big drops. It's like having buckets of water dumped on your head practically. But anyway, it's horrible. Uh, I got like sick four times. Being wet is the work. That's like more than anything else. Being soaking wet for extended periods of time, that'll, that'll make you question your career choice. Mystery Men, one of my favorites. Blue Raja, master of silverware. I just decided that it should be a proper British voice. I don't know why, it seemed funny. Well, what was funny about that, we decided that he's just putting that on in the movie, like when his mom talks to him, he's like, mom, get out of my room. And then, you know, that's how he is with his mom. And then as the Blue Raja, he's this sophisticated sort of James Bond, if you will. That was again the early days of CGI. There were a lot of cooks. Me and Ben Stiller and Bill Macy and, and Janine Garofalo and, and Paul Rubens. And, and the director was a first time director who came from the commercial world. And there was, so there was no real strong daddy, which is really what a director should be. He announced in the middle of shooting it, Kinka Usher is his name, that he was done. Like I'm, I'm not direct, I'm gonna happily go back to commercials where I make a million dollars pop and don't have to deal with all you crazy people. He was done halfway through that movie. But there was a lot of intense arguments on that. So like, you know, Bill Macy dressed as a shoveler, the shoveler, and me dressed as the Blue Raja throwing forks at people and us like, like seriously arguing with each other and we look absurd. Dodgeball, a true underdog story. At that point, Ben was making these films and invited me into that. Yes, Patches of Hulane, which is a kind of a combination between Clark Gable and what I imagine a young Rip Torn to be. And uh, yeah, that was fun. I just came in for a day and was silly and left. Night at the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian. Big Ben Stiller franchise, Boris Karloff impression. I played the villain, the evil pharaoh who comes back to life. Uh, originally, that was going to be sort of a voice similar to what I did as the Blue Raja, though a little less flowery, sort of more casual and bored British. They felt it was a little boring. And so we, at the makeup wardrobe test, they threw up a microphone and I tried out some voices and as a joke just started talking as Boris Karloff because he was the original mummy back in the 1930s. And they really liked it. Ben and Sean Levy really liked it. I'm like, really guys? Because this is a little silly. Like, no, 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 that's funny. A long game poli. I did a French accent in that. Claude, yes, Claude. Yeah, the hippo story. You are ripped. Everybody that's made the, yeah, that seems to be the takeaway from that film. You know, when you're gonna be naked in a movie, it really motivates you. Can you say scuba for us? I can say scuba, but, um, well, are you for scuba? Are uh, you? No, you're not, ah, as the French would say, ah. Let me know when you are for scuba. Anastasia, the fine animated film. What would you like to know about Bartok? It's based on a cousin of mine, I told you. I base these characters on real people. This is my cousin, a girl cousin actually. 
and uh, always stayed in my head as be good for something, and sure enough, a little white bat. Who knew? Brackmire. Most importantly, Brackmire. I love it. It's my favorite thing I've ever done. Most fun I have doing. It started as a voice, as most of my characters do. It's a voice that I grew up imitating. The baseball announcer of the 1970s, who they all sounded like this, kids. Go look it up. Go on YouTube, find a baseball broadcast from the 70s, you're gonna hear this guy. Well, you know, Harry Shearer at The Simpsons, who I work with, does the voice of Vin Scully on the show a lot. It's brilliant. And Harry and I would talk about over the years how baseball announcers are hilarious because they can say whatever they want as long as they give the count afterwards, you know. Man, oh man, I am jacked up on heroin right now. Breaking ball misses outside, wanna know. So I thought that would be a funny premise for a sketch, which we made for Funny or Die, and then developed it into a full-blown series uh, about a very alcoholic, drug-addicted, sex-addicted, insane baseball announcer. Thanks, GQ, for sitting in, listening in, looking in, as I blathered on about my career. <laughs>
Hold up. I don't give a fuck about Trump. Who got dumb? Who protesting collections at their garbage dump? And I don't really give a fuck about giving a fuck. And who feels the black celebrities ain't giving enough? Give them the dick. Fat, slick son of a bitch. Better than you are. What you are is the son of a whore. My dad told me that your mom was something mean on her knees. But thank God we ain't related cause she swallowed the seeds. Happy belated, I'm elated to know we ain't related. So tell your special kids, stop saying Auntie Shade of my lady. I sip on fine wines, fine dine with dines and nines. I got an Einstein mind and I still told Ein. I'm a P-I-M-P in my own rhyme. Space age gorilla pimping out the cage with mine. Would you steal for me, nigga? If it's goddamn mine. Would you kill for me, nigga? Bitch, you out your goddamn mind. And that's goddamn right. I'm goddamn Mike. When in the end, like Tina did goddamn Ike. Three tears in a bucket. Fuck it. I don't care about nothing, nothing, three tears in a bucket, fuck it, I don't care about nothing, nothing, Hold three up. tears in a bucket, fuck it, I don't care about nothing, nothing, fuck it, fuck it, I don't care about nothing, nothing, three tears in a bucket, fuck it, I don't care about nothing, nothing.
That's why I'm out of here, baby. Before these pots put me down in the ground, baby. I'm running rest and I'm out of this town, baby. Hey, you want your money back, case me. Pimp niggas with Gucci slippers, Gucci slippers, Magic City got Gucci strippers, a crew of killers and dealers, we got this newbie with us, we turn Pirellis to delis, Escons and former salads, stay on ready, foot on neck, very heavy, good on deck, smell it, smell it, show some respect or you get showered like parade confetti, made man or made already, nobody safe from petty, 450 horse up in the course, it's hunted in the Chevy, buddy, I'm nutty, I got some screws loose, and if your bitch wants some cutty, baby, I choose you, underground kings, Speed and sound things. Run the sacks and beware of all your surroundings. Hey, that's hey, why I'm out of hey, here, baby. Before these cops put me down in the ground, baby. I'm running rest and I'm out of this town, baby. Hey, you want your money back? Chase me. That was from the Baby Driver soundtrack, Danger Mouse featuring Run the Jewels and Big Boy. Chase me. Here playing some songs by Run the Jewels is Atlanta, Canada's own Scratch Bastard.
You're right back here with the Got A Job playlist announcer, Aaron motherfucking Carney. And I want to thank you for listening. And I want to make sure that you set your reminders. Join us for the next one if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor. We appreciate you very much. God bless you. here on the got a job podcast and some rtj this is my last song the goblins were awakened
that will about do it for us on this RTJ-inspired playlist. Thank you very much for listening on Anchor and Spotify. Join us for the next one, please. Have a great day. That's how we do it. I said, nigga had me in the studio one night trying to do that shit. I'm like, man, get the get the 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 ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, nigga had me in the studio one night trying to do that shit. I'm like, man,
Yes, you know just how we roll I get the interest Taking them sisters home And it incest Follow back in the zone Back in my king's Yes, you know just how it goes I'm at my king's desk Got the boy on the phone And yes, the thing said You know about the throne I took the king's steps In and just out the zone And then my ting text Ten percent That shoot it jumps in as I pump the engine. Yes. You know hollow man, I get that happy ending. Ah. Can't you see me shopping? Yeah, I'm happy spending. spending. First they see me Bond Street, then it's back to Kensington. Nah, nah. Got these niggas shook, I got them back pretending. Yeah, yeah. Man is so emotional, I'm back offending. <laughs> Whoop-dee-dee-scoop-poop. <laughs> 